the two men took the boys for a carriage ride throughout Philadelphia in places that these the boys didn't hadn't been before, or it, that's what it said. Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to yet another week of the Family School of Thought. How's everybody doing tonight? Great. Good, good. Jess, how's the weather there? It's the same as last week. Very, very windy. Windy and cold. <laughs> yeah. How about how about you, Cass? How's the weather in Portland? Uh, it's been rainy. It's been Portland. Okay. All right, let's get going then. Um, I don't want to waste no time, but just give us some fun facts. For okay, all right. So I know I gave a bunch of facts last week. I'm going to give some more today. So I have four four mental floss amazing facts for you today. So um, we're in a, a Nintendo family. We grew up with Nintendo. We have the original Nintendo console. Before the internet, Nintendo employed game counselors whom players could call on the phone to get advice and assistance on navigating games. Dad, Aww. did you know that? Did you ever call that number and get help with no. Zelda? No, but I used to work in a restaurant that time, like early 80s. Yeah. And it was a big deal. For our, they, I don't think they even have many. Our, um, what were they called? It was like a arcade, it's like a chunk of cheese, but it was just all arcades. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean that was a big business. People, yeah, yeah, you know, hundreds of arcade games in one building, and yeah. so um, I worked in a restaurant, and they had uh, the arcades in there, but they had, it was like a table. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, with a glass and top. So, mm -hmm. Me and my friends, because I was a manager there, um, had the key to the machine. We'd stay there all night long playing those games. I mean, uh -huh. literally all night long, you know, um, for free. <laughs> you had to yeah. pay to do them, but yeah. it was a big deal because you couldn't do that at home. There was nothing no. to play. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we'd stay there all night long until somebody came in the morning playing those games. Yeah, it was fun. It was a lot but of you never fun. Called. You never called a game. I never, I never knew that you could call anybody. What would I call them about? To help get assistance. It's like cheat codes. Like they're basically yeah, right. are giving you right. the advice yeah. of how to get through the level. Super Mario Brother, how do I get past this Bowser? I mean, we would go all night long. I think we figured out most of the Super Mario Brother cheats and and uh, hidden things. Yeah, he could have had to help doing that Zelda. I thought yeah, he was That's what I said. Did you ever call for Zelda? No. I literally would stay up all night playing. So that was at home. Yeah, yeah that was at home. I, I remember. All playing that Zelda. Yeah, I, I remember. Stop. And we were not allowed to play that game. And you would leave it running because you couldn't save it. So you would like, right, leave it right. running all day. Yeah. I, I, was I don't really remember Zelda being that way. That, that oh, ruined it for me because once that Zelda, it was so hard to get through it. Once yeah. I finally get it, I was like, I am done. done. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't play for years. Yeah. It was uh it was crazy in our house when he would play Zelda. Yeah. 
I see, yeah, I, I didn't know you played Zelda at all. I think you were maybe just a baby by then. Yeah, maybe you. Were, it was before you were born, or maybe you were because a baby. Zelda, I, you couldn't you couldn't leave it where you left off. No, you had to, you yeah, you had to start all over again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So and, okay. um, I wouldn't play. I wouldn't play for years after that. Once I finally beat it, I'm like, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so and then your kids. Then your kids got into playing it, and mm-hmm. I never really did play until. Um, what was the one Jordan had where you drive the car? Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft yeah, Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, yeah. Then I, I really got into it again for that. I never really that was I remember into you playing. Four ones. <laughs> what about um, Doctor Mario? That's what. That, okay, that's the one I. Hey, we still play that. Leave Mario. it alone. <laughs> yeah. I love Doctor. But that Mario. one, it's not like you have to like. There's no. Like it's conquest, it's yeah. just no. like Tetris, it's, it's, basically. It's yeah. just compete well, against yourself. We had what was it called before Nintendo? The first Atari. Video, Atari. And by the way, folks out there in YouTube land, I have an original Atari games, <laughs> panels, everything. In the Nobody wants it. Nobody over. wants it. We've been through this a million times. Mm-hmm. You never know. There's a collector out okay. there. Who okay. So <laughs> that was a mental floss, amazing fact. We're going to move on now. To, okay. We got more. Okay. So, was, oh, longest, yeah. You can call it Yeah. The longest case of hiccups lasted 68 years. Did you know that? Oh, wow. Uh, years. I would hate to have the hiccups. Yeah. I hate having just for well, five minutes. Years. 68 years. 68 years. He didn't commit suicide or anything. I guess not. Um, the largest snowflake ever recorded was 15 inches wide, and wow. it was discovered in Montana in 1887. By um, a fisherman, so yeah, right? I don't. Maybe I don't know. Probably a male. Let's let's be realistic. It's probably exactly somebody that's exaggerating. Something. Inches, a, male, a male always. But it does say. It was most certainly a messy jumble of small snowflake crystals rather than one picture perfect. Right, snowflake. right, right. So, okay. But yeah, mostly a male probably discovered it. So um, <laughs> my last fact of the day is, maybe you guys know this, maybe you don't, Bruce Willis's famous line in Die Hard, yippee motherfuckers, is... What? 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 what kind of show we have going Did here? you know it was not scripted? He actually made it up on the spot just to make the crew laugh, and they kept it in the movie. I believe it. <laughs> Sounds like I didn't know if you guys knew that or not. I'm not, like, I don't think I've ever really seen Die Hard ever. I, I don't, didn't. I mean, I've never seen that. I've never seen that whole thing, but. Yeah. Every time we have it's somebody. This time of year, it is a Christmas movie. It so is a Christmas like, movie. Don't well, it is Based in it's based in Christmas yeah, time. Yeah, it's based in Christmas. It's the same as like Harry Potter, the first one, the Sorcerer's Stone is not a Christmas movie, but it comes out in, during Christmas time. We were talking about this yeah. at work the other day because we were doing these. Okay, give us your top five, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And so we were doing top five Christmas movies. And by chance, do you guys know what my number one was? A Christmas Story. Elf. Elf. A Christmas family vacation. 
Yeah. And the Christmas vacation was by. Christmas um, vacation. But anyways, somebody said Die Hard. I'm like, Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen Die Hard, tell you the truth. Yeah, I don't know if I have either, but. I'll probably have to see it. But I never really was a big fan of um, Bruce Willis. Okay, but you're up. She's got to give us a song. This one is, uh, you might, I think this one's very commonly known of how, like, kind of creepy it actually is. Um, But this is Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. Um, And a lot of people think this is kind of just, like, a fun, like, song to sing about. Um, But it's actually the singer talking about how he wants to be on drugs and how he is on drugs and he doesn't want to give them up. Um, You know, lyrics like, and then I bumped up, I took the hit I was given, and then I bumped again and I bumped again, I said. Um, I want something to get me through this semi-charmed life. Baby, baby, I want something else. I'm not listening to what you say. Goodbye. So it's about drug use and how he is addicted to drugs and people in his life tell him he needs to find something else. And he said, no, this is what I want. It's about drug use. Is this, who is, who is this guy? I know who Third Eye Blind is. It's the lead singer, but what's his name? Oh, I don't know. He's not dead. He's still alive. He might be. <laughs> he might be. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll look it up later. All right. Okay. D, I believe you're up this week. Okay. Right. Yep, I think I am. Okay, let's get rolling. All right. I am doing mine on um, the kidnapping of Charles Brewster Ross. And it is one of the first American child kidnappings in the United States for ransom. And it happened in 1870, um, or 1874. He was born May 4th, 1874. And on July 1st, 1874, he was four years old. And him and his brother were Walter Lewis Ross were playing out in their, um, front yard. And, um, they, two men approached him and it's some of the theory is that um, they had, the two men had befriended them and come by many times and um, offered him them candy in a carriage. And, Get in that carriage. Yes. Get in that carriage. And so um, they offered the boys, they offered the boys candy and um, money to buy firecrackers because it was just before the 4th of July. So the, uh, <laughs> the two boys jumped up in the carriage. Almost like a party to me. Yep. The, they jumped up in the candy carriage and it was, um, uh, it was in, um, uh, 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 hold on just a second. Um, 
It was in Philadelphia, but I was trying to think of the, um, I had wrote this, the name down, candy. Um, they probably had like hard candy back then. Well, and they were transported, the, 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 two, two, the two men took the boys for a carriage ride throughout Philadelphia in places that these the boys didn't, hadn't been before, or it, that's what it said. But um, they stopped at the party store and they told Walter. Wait a minute. A party store in 1874. Well, I, I, call it, I called it a party I'm store. Sure it's, a, it's, it's a store. They, they, they probably, stopped, got, they probably they, got like a 40 ounce and a pack of. <laughs> they, they, they stopped the buggy in, in, front of, in front of a store. They stopped the buggy and. Um, they offered Walter 25 cents to go in and buy fireworks and candy. And when Walter went in, the carriage proceeded to pull out. And um, they left without Walter. And uh, soon after, the... Um, his Their father, Christian assumed that um, the boys were playing at a neighbor's house. So he went to their house and um, the neighbor immediately informed him that she had seen them riding in a carriage with two men. And so um, the father, you know, began his search and um, they uh, somehow Walter ended up getting back home. I don't know if he told the storekeeper that, you know, who he was and that two men dropped him off in the carriage, but he and Walter ended up getting back home. But uh, Charles um, was still with the two men. And um, shortly after um, Walter returned home, um, they, you know, proceeded to have everybody looking for uh, Charles. And after a couple of days, um, several ransom notes came in through the Postal Service. And they were like really crazy um, ransom notes. Like the spelling was all wrong and um, they, they had... Uh, the ransom notes um, posted and wanted twenty thousand or or twenty thousand dollars because where they lived and this was back you know in eighteen hundreds so twenty thousand dollars was a lot of money and they lived in a very well to do area in Philadelphia so these kidnappers assumed that they had money because of their home that they lived in and because of the, the, because of the area, which they, and they also owned a um, modest dry goods stores, you know, that sold um, things. And, you know, they just, uh, the truth was that the family was deeply in debt because of, 
um, the 1873 stocks market crash. So the father had no means of getting this money. And so in the ransom notes, it said, um, do not um, contact the police. Um, if they, they, they did, then Charles would be killed. And um, so, you know, the father didn't know what else to do because he had no means to come up with that kind of money. And so he notified the police and um, it became one of the world's known and uh, kidnappings, ransom kidnappings. So uh, it was published in the new in the newspapers. And um, at this time, uh, Charles's mother was in the hospital and wasn't even at home. She was in um, Alabama or no, George, Georgia. Um, I just had it. Um, she wasn't anywhere to be found. I mean, she, she was um, having illnesses and she was in Atlantic, Atlantic City. And um, so he didn't even notify his wife. Well, then all of a sudden, all these publications came across. It was notified. It was on, you know, in the papers. And she had read that and she immediately came home. And so she had no idea that her son was missing. And, and, and I don't know how long she didn't. By the way, didn't. one of your kids is not here. Huh? By the way, one of the kids is not here any longer. Well, right. she was she in the, she wasn't home. She wasn't home. She was in Atlantic City because she was there for illnesses. And I, it doesn't say what what her illnesses were. It just said she was recovering in Atlantic City for illnesses. And she was probably um, diagnosed with hysteria. Right. Wouldn't wouldn't listen to her husband, so she got sent away. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Electroshock therapy. Mm -hmm. Nope. Lobotomies. Oh, yeah, lobotomy, yeah. Nope. And so um, it became national news. I do know. And then did you also know that um, there was a song, um, Dexter Smith and W.H. Brockway, composed a song, Bring Back Our Darling. Have you ever heard that song? <laughs> I don't think I Well, they, they com composed a Is it the, song. Um, it's the, like, bring back my darling to me, to me, right? I, well, that's, I don't know, but maybe yeah. that's, maybe bring that's back, song that Bring back my darling to me. Wow. And so maybe maybe yeah. that's the song that they're talking about, but um, they said that they um, composed a song, and there was a compo a song composed for for him. And um, they had several attempts to get with the uh, kidnappers, mm -hmm. but the kidnappers never showed up. And because I think there was. It, later in my story, there's an accomplice, and he was 
one of the um, kidnappers' brother-in-laws. <clears throat> and he worked for the New York City Police. And so um, he, I think, was given the kidnappers' information that he shouldn't have been given them. And so, you know, they didn't show up to any of the ransom notes. And so they didn't, they never got caught. But on December 13th in Big Ridge, Brooklyn, New York, the house belonged to a judge, Charles Van Braun. And it was, they, these two kidnappers burglarized the judge's home. And Charles Van Brunt's brother, Holmes Van Brunt, lived right next door. And so when the house was getting um, burglarized, he, he gathered all of his family with um, ammunition and went and um, ambushed the two uh, burglars. And the burglars were Bill Mosher and um, and Joe Douglas. Um, Bill Mosher was mortally injured um, or killed in the ambush, and Douglas or Joe Douglas um, was mortally injured, and he lived for two hours after being shot, and he was able to communicate to Holmes. And, and, and everybody that was in the home that ambushed the two burglars. And um, it was um, said that Douglas or Joe Douglas had um, confessed that him and Bill Mosher were the ones that kidnapped or that had the um, two boys get in their buggy and they were the ones that kidnapped Charles Ross. And he said that there's no reason to lie about this because I'm going to die. But um, Char uh, he at the time of this going on, he was going on. So it was, um there there was no consensus uh because of him being because of him dying and all the people that were in the room at the time they didn't know um whether to believe it or not but um at this time both of the men had passed and they called um Walter, they um, had him come to New York and identify these two men or see if they if he knew who they were. And when Walters was six years old, they asked what the two men looked like. And they had he had described them and they made out sketches and posted them in all of the newspapers. And um, he had said that one had a deformed nose and he looked like a monkey. It looked like a monkey face. And so when he got to New York, 
because of the guy, because of um, Bill um, Mosher's, he had syphilis as, um, and it deformed his face. So he had a deformity. So um, Walters was able to describe this deformity to the police and say that he had a, um, like a monkey face. Right. And so, um, because of his nose. And so, um, everybody that was uh, there listening to the story were shocked. And so they could not give a ac accurate report. And when um, Walters um, identified the two men and said, yes, that's who we got into the buggy with, um, they, you know, um, knew that, that those were the suspects that had taken the boys, but because all the stuff when um, when Joe was D Joe Douglas was explaining or saying that all, all of the stuff he never enclosed that um, the whereabouts of Charles. He just said that Charles was alive and that um mo uh mosher was uh bill mosher was the only person that really knew where that boy was so i'm assuming that mosher probably had him with his wife and him but there's you know there's no i that that's my assumptions that's you know i just put that in there but um they said that he said that um, the boy Charles was still alive and um, that he would be returned unharmed to his family. And he died before um, being able to give out a location of where this boy might be. But um, the former uh, police officer, William Westerville, um, on was a was a known associate of Bill Bosher and he was his brother his, his wife's brother so uh the police officer that worked for New York City's police department um was known um to be an accomplice an, an associate with uh Bill Bosher and Bill Mosher's brother had contacted the police and said that the sketches looked like his brother. And so the police kind of knew that, okay, this, this is who they're, they need to go at, you know, this is who did it, but they still had no idea where to find, um, to find uh, Charles. Um, and then um, William Weston, Westervelt was um, taken to court in connection with the kidnapping, but Walters said that no, and he had insisted that no, Walter Williams was not an accomplice. He did not, um, he didn't have anything. He was not in the carriage at all. 
And um, so he was tried in 1875 for kidnapping, but because um, there was no evidence trying or, um, trying him to the kidnapping and Walter's insistent that he wasn't in on it, that um, he, he did um, end up getting a non, not guilty for kidnapping, but he also was found guilty of conspiracy and charged to six years in prison. And then um, he main, he he remained his innocence and swore that he didn't know the whereabouts of Charles Brewster Ross. Uh, two years after um, Christian's disappearance and kidnapping, um, Christian, his father, published a book, The Father's Story of Charles Ross and the Kidnapping Child, um, in order to raise money to continue searching for his son. And the search went on for years and um, to no avail, they, they never came up with anything. And by or 1878, the case began to won and um, Chris, Christian still was searching any way and every way that he possibly could to find his son and uh, to renew interest, um, Christian reprinted the book and began to give lectures, lectures in um, Boston. And uh, he just, he continued to do this until his death. And um, he, him and his wife continued to search for their son until their deaths. And they, he, Christian died in 1897, and then his wife died in 1912. Um, and during um, their search for their son, um, they interviewed 575 boys and teenagers and eventually grown men around the world who claimed to be Charles, all proved to be imposters. The Rosses eventually spent, before their death, $60,000 looking for their son. And, you know, that's a lot of money back then. Yeah. Yeah. And so in 1924, on the 50th anniversary of, um, of the kidnapping, the newspaper began to run stories of the Ross abduction. Um, by this time, Walter was an adult and was working as a stockbroker. And he he and his three sisters still received letters from middle-aged men claiming to be their brother. And in 1934, Gustav Blair, a 69-year-old carpenter living in Phoenix, Arizona, petitioned the Maricopa County Court System and went to court swearing that he was Charles um, Charles Brewster Ross. And um, they, um, when, when they went to court, he had told the, the jury 
that he had lived in um, a cave and was adopted by a man who had said that he was Charles Brewster Ross. So the court and the jury ruled in his favor and said that, declared that he was um, in 1939, um, Charles Brewster Ross. But Walters said that it was just a big crank and that he really wasn't Charles because how his brother could still be alive is beyond him. And so him and his sisters never believed that Blair was their real brother. And so um, he said, there's just no hope that Charles could still be alive. I mean, there's just absolutely no, no, no way that he could be alive. And Blair continued to say that, yes, he was his relative. And um, when in Arizona, when they announced that he was Charles, he changed his name to Charles and moved to, um, to uh, Philadelphia and um, tried to write a book about his kidnapping and all this stuff, but it was a hoax and, and it just, it never flew. And everybody, you know, nobody believed that, that he was Charles. And so he moved back to Arizona and um, when um, Walter's parents and Charles's parents passed on, him and his sisters um, sold the property and and um, never gave Blair any money from the, their, their parents' estate. And then come to find out, Blair died in 1943, still claiming that he was Charles. But um, by then, DNA, they uh, proved that DNA proved that he was not Charles um, Ross, that he really was Nelson Miller. And his DNA with um, Nelson's brother matched 99.9999 and said that he really was Nelson Miller. And uh, so um, after they... Uh, Um, after he died, the, um, property was demolished and, um, Walter and his sisters had the house demolished in 1926. And the estate is now a, pre um, Clevedon, uh, let me see, hold on. It's, uh. Clevedon or Cliveden? It's a Cliveden uh, Presbyterian church that, and that's what occupies the spot of the kidnapping. And um, to this day, Charles Brewster Ross has not yet to be found, or they don't know whatever happened to him. 
and the um, the uh, there's um, many um, databases named um, that like one is the Charles project and it's missing persons database and it is named because of Charles um, Ross and it offers um, important information of missing persons and information including thousands of documents and digital flyers and other resources in certain ways it serves as the same purpose as a newspaper that um, did when Charles Ross went missing, it provides information and means of the spreading message. And this one um, is the steel, uh, oh, what was that other kid's name? The other kidnapping baby. Um, yes, Lindbergh's. Lindbergh. Um, That's what I was thinking. Yep, this, um, after that, this information really helped you know, I mean, it was that Lindbergh was the second one after this. And um, what is the well-known um, admonition um, based on Charles Ross's incident? Never accept candy from a stranger. <laughs> Which is what we teach now. Yes. Unless yeah. they're in a white van and they yes, do yes, offer yeah, you yeah. a bunch of candy. candy. And, and so that's that's my that's my little bit of a story. But um, the kidnapping of Ch uh, Charles Ross was one of the greatest unsolved crimes of the late 1800s. And um, but what happened to him is still unknown. Hmm. With the the Nelson Miller, though, because he claimed to be he was left in a cave and like abducted, left in a cave. It was just a, it was just a fabrication. He made oh, all of that up. Maybe he really was abducted, and he didn't really, and he really did think that he was not Charles Ross. But no, yeah. but just like um, because they had, uh, you know, the DNA. Yeah, later on. But. I mean, no, I mean because um, they had like he said, five hundred and seventy people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Claiming to be Charles. Yeah. Um, and you know he probably read up on the stories and followed it and knew yeah. all of the information and what to say and how a judge and a jury could yeah. say that without proof. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it was, it's sad. It's sad. But um, any kidnapping is a sad story. And it's the mom and dad went to their grave not knowing whatever happened to their son. Well, and yeah. even the brother. And Walter's to have to live with that for the rest of his that's life. That's what I was going to say. You know, like he was right. only five. So it's like you can't really, he was just a kid. but And he let his, you know, he left his brother in in the carriage with yeah. those two men. And so right. think of what well, he had to do. Was Charles older or was he the younger brother? Younger. Charles was only four years old. Okay. And, and Walter's was five. So, you know, uh, Charles was uh, four years old. And um, and then, of course, Walters was uh, two years older. It's, you know. Right. Yeah, it's a sad, sad thing. But, yeah, we do have, I mean, the same with 
um, I can't think of his last name, but the other, uh, the little boy, Adam. Yes. Joe Walsh. Yeah. 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 Adam Walsh. Yeah. And that's, Walsh. Why, that's why well, we that's... have Code Adams. And yeah. yeah. Like, that's why, you know, like, and then, you know, the Amber Alert is from a little girl named, yeah, you know. The... Oh, kidnapping, yeah. Well, that Lindbergh baby well, kidnapping, that made it a federal offense, too. Right, 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 right. right. And so the Malsher, I mean, I mean, the um, Ross was the first um, ransom, ransom kidnapping. One. And so there's so much data out there um, for people. And there's, there's, you know, there's books, like I said, um, Little Charles Ross, The Shocking Story of Americans First Kidnapping um, with Ransom by Normans or published um, by the Little Brown Company in Boston, um, and that was in 1967. And um, I don't know, it, it has a bunch of stuff, but um, I don't think that that has anything to do with um, this or what we're, what I was doing because it was at the bottom. But um, yeah, interesting. It is. It's, it, 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 it was, but, you know, it would be interesting to know it, whatever happened to Mosher's um, wife. Right. Because where did, you know, where did she go and did she, was she in on it? I mean, somebody had to have known where that little boy was, if, especially because they were trying to get ransom money is better you know he was like and then they moved to the age or something and then the you know masha dies everybody dies and the kid starved to death well he they all went to new york mm -hmm. so you know did they take the kid with them i mean did the kid get or raised they, in new york right. or right i don't you know. know and Back then, I don't know. I don't know. So, little Charles Ross is still, it's a still unknown story. What happened to, didn't you say something about his brother-in-law was a part of it? Well, the brother-in-law, um, that was um, West Westerville, and he was a police officer for the New York, and he was an accomplice or he was accomplice. Um, accomplice. Accomplice, but he got six accomplice. years in prison. And so where did where did yeah, so like what does he say? Like what did what did they say happened to Charles? The police officer, the bro his brother-in-law said that he, as when he knew Mulcher, the child was still alive. Everything said that. Charles was still alive when Malsher and doing what and with who? Well, they didn't say right, like with they didn't who? Say where, they didn't say Malsher was Bill Malsher was the only one. William Malsher, whatever they you know his his real name is William, but they, he went by Bill mm -hmm. or said Bill. Um, William Malsher was the only one, and he died in the mm -hmm. ambush in the in the burglary. So. That's he was probably like, with his wife in New York because 
Right. But how do you know that? Like maybe he was like in a box in back of a carriage or something. And yeah, he got I, left I there and nobody knew where he was. So he starved to death. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And so, hmm. you know, it's, hmm. it's unsaid. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and I don't know if they ever interviewed his um, wife, Malsher's wife. Or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or the brother-in-law, you know, I mean, somebody had to have known where this little boy was, or, but they say that he, he went to his grave. He, nobody knew except for yeah. Bill Mosher, William Mosher. So. And they never said like why they could, like, was it just to get money? Is why they kidnapped? Yeah, they, they had just, they had just gotten out of jail. Mosher had just gotten out of jail. And they probably went down to Philadelphia, picked up these two boys because they went through the neighborhood and they thought, oh, all these people have money. They picked up the two kids and, oh, well, we'll get money for them. And um, they told the, the oldest one to go in and buy candy. And then they left without him and thought, oh, well, we'll get money for That's the little one. curious that they left one. He was probably right. asking too many questions. Where are we gonna go home? Why can't I do this? What are we gonna well, do? Well, yeah, he was five years are old. There? He was he was a are lot bigger. And he, hey, I can now. I can see that. that now. I can see that now. Where you'd be like, you know what? We're gonna pull over. And you we can just need one of you. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, they he was probably saying, well, when are we gonna stop and get candy and fireworks? Because that was the whole purpose of them getting in the carriage. You told me that we were going to get. That they let that kid go knowing he'd seen them. And you could probably identify right. them. And... Right. That's true. Well, these these guys, the way that they wrote these um, ransom notes. They're not. And this spelled them and how right. they had done it. They, 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 they probably, probably were. This is a five-year-old kid. He's not going to be able to identify us. He's not right, be able to exactly. They, they probably thought, you know, there's in no way that. In 1974, most people couldn't write a letter. Right. Or, I won't say most people, but especially rural areas and stuff. They wouldn't know how to write. Well, and they were in and out of jail. They were convicts. You know, they had just gotten released out of jail, probably for a burglary or something else. And then, you know, that was probably their first kidnapping and. It just went from there. I don't know. But be nice if somebody, I mean, everybody's dead back from then, but it would have been nice to go through the files or some of the information that they've collected. We need to contact that Rini from Jesse's story last week. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> Remy. Yeah, Remy. Yeah, where it happened from. Yeah, possess yeah. these little boys. Yeah, yeah. Where's Where's Charles? Yeah. Again, we need a house psychic. Yes, yes. No, like I said, I maybe a psychic on TV. Um, that um said because people always say, "Well, why can't psychics figure that out? Why can't psychics?" They're like um you know, this one said, you know, like, I wouldn't just go on TV and start talking about somebody's loved one and how they got murdered or, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I may tell the family if they contacted me or asked me or a police department, mm-hmm. but, you know, 
I'm not going to get on TV and just start talking this, about what that I makes. Yeah, that with. makes some kind of sense though too, because like even like think about like we were talking last week about John Benet Ramsey. Like, why isn't there a psychic? But really, if like some psychic came out and said, "Hey, I've been in contact with John Benet Ramsey," she said so and so did it. Everyone's gonna be like, "Okay, really? Right. Okay, you yeah, right, right." Well, that's what I'm saying. That these people, you know, even maybe even the dead have come back and said, and nobody would believe the story that they're telling them. So it's like, you know, Rams, you know, like you're Remy. No, but nobody wanted to believe what they said because it's just so far-fetched that people may dream about stuff, but they don't believe it because they think it was really just a dream. So, you know, even with Charles, maybe he, maybe he lived Right, and but like you got to think too, like four years old. Yeah. Even if he lived with the wife, she could say, "Oh, your name's not Charles; it's Joseph." You know, and then mm-hmm. he's gonna eventually forget that he went by a different name or whatever. Right. Or, or you know, right. maybe he knew his name as Charles his whole life, and maybe they continued to call him Charles, but just changed his last name. The last name, right? Exactly. Yeah. So. You know, because he probably at four years old knew he was Charles. And right. just said, oh, your last name is whatever, right. Mosher. You know, so yeah. if they moved to New York and raised him as right. a Mosher, how how would right. anybody know who he was? And Although right. they and had they- flyers, they had flyers in the newspaper all over the whole um U- oh. United States. They they put it, I mean, oh. it was national world known that um about this kid. Like if at that time though, too, you're so young, you're like I'm sure he's not paying attention to that kind of stuff. Well, I know, but anybody that would recognize him and the sketches that they, and the sketches that they had of him were very, very good sketches. I mean, they had, back then too, though, you cut the hair or, you know, put on a pair of glasses or whatever. And yeah, that's true. Cause he had lock, uh, locks of curls in all of the pictures. So, you know, and you know, and at that age, four, four, four years old, their their facial features time. change so much because mm-hmm. you know they lose all that baby fat. Yeah. So. Yeah. Remember when somebody broke into um, well, our place in Lansing, and they made that sketch of the guy that Cassie, were you there working there then? And they made the sketch mm-hmm. of the guy they thought did it. No. You don't remember mm-hmm. that? So, so, like, we had it posted, like you know. Have you seen this person? And so every every guy that come in, I'm like, that kind of looks like you. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's no, like, are it's you a generic look, you know? Yeah. Are you talking about the person who came in through the bathroom ceiling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, and they had okay. a sketch of them. I remember seeing. I remember seeing the sketch uh, uh, and everything, and I'm like, they did an interview <laughs> with me, and I'm like, please don't ask me because. Like, like every guy that comes in here, you know. And then, Could have then been it was anybody. like the spot that they got in was like literally this big, you know. And then yeah. when they found the guy, he was like my size. I'm like, that's but I'm just saying those sketches, like it could be, especially back in 1874, I'm sure. Every four-year-old looked just alike. <laughs> right. Well, 
it it shows it shows pictures of Charles, and that's what he they looked didn't like. Didn't have no um from the party store. They didn't have no videos. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. You, there was a bird over the on the side. Of the the was down the they, huh? they probably blacked out the video camera. Right, exactly. I'm going to do my hair like that. That's for sure. I Let's love see. his hair. <laughs> Let's say. And then. No, it wasn't that picture. Go back to the other picture. And then this was him. This long was... hair back then. Yeah, they did. Uh, it, that was a mullet. That was 100% a mullet. That's a mullet. That, yeah. one. <laughs> that is where they came up with the mullet right there from that video. That oh, poor Charles. What's, What's his name? He probably went by Joe Dirt after that. <laughs> oh, Dirt Hey. Uh, and then this was this was another sketch. Yeah, I mean, like, really? That looks like, like every 1874-year-old mm -hmm. kid. Yep. He looks a little bald, but other than that. And you know, they may have they may have put out um other sketches as you know how sketchers do the this is what he might look like now, and you mm -hmm. know, I don't know. The ransom notes and hmm. Well, it probably was a big, big news story back then. It was. It was. Uh, it it got such publicity that, um, you know, like I said, that uh, that Dexter Smith. I don't know who he is or W. H. Um, Brockway composed a song. Bring back oh. my, bring back my little darling. So you know, and that was right after all of the. And then, of course, people started writing books, and um, and then his father wrote a book, and I haven't read the, I haven't not read the book, so. But they knew who the suspects were. They knew who kidnapped them. They just never yeah, found. They could can't find him. Information. Yeah, they they killed him before they found out where little Charles was. Yeah, he probably so. was never alive. After and that. so that was sad. No, because they, everybody said that he was alive. When, when, when Bill Mosher, when Bill Mosher and um, Joe uh, broke into the judge's house, they said that um, the boy was still alive at that time. Where? When, when and they didn't say, they just said that they knew that the boy was alive. So I don't know whatever happened or how, why they didn't investigate that more. But it was said that, that Bill Mosher, when he was being tried and put in jail, said that um, when, uh, when he was accused, um, he said that before, what, before the ambush at the, um, judge's house that the boy was still alive so he was a police officer so he knew about the ransom notes and all of this stuff because he was given the information back to 
Mosher, his brother-in-law, about what was being said. And, and that's why they never were at the ransom locations because they knew not to go because the police were there. So. Hmm. All righty. Well, time so sure flies. That's all mm -hmm. I got to say. Very interesting story. Any girls have any questions or nope. any thoughts? No. We're good. When we get our house medium, we're going to have her cover some of these stories. Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. Didn't we know somebody? Jordan knew somebody. We need to get Jordan in on this. His friend was a medium in Lansing. No, not that one. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but um, oh. beggars can't be choosers, right? Right. Well, they might have some answers for us. Yeah, the the one that burned the grill in the living room and burned the carpet up. No, not her. She wasn't the medium. It was somebody medium. else. Medium. 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 Okay, guys. All right. Time is up. Yes, it is. Thank you very much for one more delightful um, edition of the Family School of Thought. We shall see you next week. Please contact us at our um, email address, which is thefamilyschoolofthought at gmail.com. Put that up there right now for you, and um, let us know your thoughts or any interesting stories that you might want us to cover too. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.